Hello everybody and welcome to the first ever My Ball My Rules podcast. My name is Sam Collard and I'm delighted to be joined by Decker Riley and Harry Dole. Speak at the same time and confuse everyone whose voices is whose, please. Hello, I'm Deck. That's me. Oh, you've ruined that. <laughs> Hello, I'm Harry. Yeah, um, pretty much. We're just another football podcast. Like, it just is what it is, isn't it? Like, it's kind of hard to get niche, more niche than that, really, because it's just football. And lots of things happen in football. And we're going to talk about the things that sometimes happen in football, despite there's no football really going on at the moment. Um, so, yeah, the big news today, really, is actually from a meeting. Um, and that is the EFL deciding to sack off the seasons and promote, relegate, decide playoffs and so on and so forth. So, yeah, boys, what's your thoughts, really, that going into, well, leaving this meeting? Um. Personally, I think they've gone correctly with it. The EFL. Um, I've always thought that you know you got you got to uh, give the acknowledgements and the achievements to the teams that have uh, deserved it and performed well. And I know obviously the teams that have been promoted today, they didn't get to do it on the pitch. But you know, obviously this whole pandemic it's all unprecedented. So you've got to go with the next best thing. And I think this is the next best thing, which is, um, I'm not sure unweighted points per game was exactly the way to go. I think weighted might have been a bit more accurate, but either way, that's better than just sacking the season off and not doing anything with it and just um, giving everyone a reprieve. So um, I, I, I agree mostly with the decision they made today. Talking about those teams that got promoted, it was Coventry and Rotherham from League One and from League Two, Swindon won the league, Crew and then Plymouth as well have all gone up. Do you think that's deserved, Harry? Yeah, I mean, they've they've got the points over a period of time and looking at some of them, they, they were probably not going to finish in the playoffs. They were always probably going to go up. So it, it is it is very... They were value for money to go up and I think it is the fairest thing to do for a lot of them clubs. See, we've had, like, say, the likes of Forest Green Rovers being the only ones that voted in favour of actually finishing the season. And if you have a look at kind of their season as a whole, they started off doing extremely well, kind of in and around the playoff and promotion place and have kind of dropped off so far. Do you kind of think a lot of clubs were voting in self-interest rather than kind of the, well, not a lot of clubs, just Forest Green, really, rather than the interest of, well, the interest of themselves rather than the league? I think it'd be fo- foolish not to, uh, like, vote in favour of how your club's situation. I mean, I can't imagine Stevenage actually <laughs> voting against playing. Like, the situation there and then, there's no way out of it. So you'd think they'd want to play, but... If it was me, I'd I'd want to go to the situation. Obviously, if you're a Plymouth or a Crew, you you just want the season to end. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're a Salford or a Forest Green, where there's something you can chase after. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll get on to Stevenage actually. Was it's actually quite impressive how they're still bottom despite Macclesfield being deducted eleven points so far. Um, so as it stands, they're still going to be relegated, but obviously there's the, still the tribunal of Macclesfield when they could be ducted another X amount of points to see them go down. I think currently it's a three-point gap. So, boys, who do you think should go down? Um, it's a tough one to call, actually. I probably would say Stevenage because they, they've clearly not been as good as Macclesfield this season, despite everything that Macclesfield have had to uh, go through off the pitch. Um, but obviously Macclesfield you know they've got to stay in lines with uh, the rules and regulations of the league so um, in terms of that I'd say Stevenage 
Yeah, Harry, you've kind of got a little bit more of a connection to Macclesfield with big Daryl McMahon at the helm there. Like, what's your thoughts? He's at Dagenham now, isn't he? Is he at Dagenham? He was, yeah. yeah oh, that's really, there. that's well poor uh, for he's me. He's another, that's, I've had a shocker. He's another, man, he's, another, <laughs> he's, he's another manager they couldn't afford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got to give Macclesfield a lot of credit for back-to-back seasons. Well, and even the year they won the National League, there, there was players not getting paid, paid late not knowing whether they were going to be able to pay bills and things like that. And to go on and when you, no one favours you to win the National League, you win the National League. No one favours you to stay up and then you do it again and again. I mean, I know they're in a relegation place, but they do deserve a lot of credit for what they've done. And Stevenage, I mean, they've got no excuses. They, they talk about being a real forward-thinking club and it just hasn't worked for them on the pitch this year. So I think, yeah, I agree with yeah, I think Stevenage are probably the right ones to go down. Yeah, to pick up 20 points in, well, I think it's mid-20s points in, a say, a 45-game season, obviously, they could have picked up more points, but you can't realistically say you deserve to stay up on merit when you can't pick up probably 30 points in a season. I don't see how it can be justified. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They didn't justify on the pitch. That's probably, that's why I'm leaning more towards Macclesfield staying up, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Looking into the playoffs now as well, for say for League One, we've got Wickham, Oxford, Pompey and Fleetwood. Out of those boys, who's your pick? Hmm. I like I like the look of Oxford. Yeah. Fair. They had a decent FA Cup run this year. Uh, I think they just they just miss out on automatic promotion as well. I think, I think I it was close. Oh, um, they ran it tight. Um I, I'd probably say Oxford, especially at home. I feel like at the Kassam, they're, they're very hard to beat. Um, to be fair, Portsmouth as well. You know, they, they can't, they've, they've been in the playoff situation before. You know, they, they, with uh, League One playoffs and uh, FA, um, sorry, not FA, uh, Checker Trade Trophy uh, runs and stuff like that. You know, they, they've kind of got that experience of, you know, winning games in knockout tournaments. So that might prove to be an advantage for them. But I'd probably say Oxford for me. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. I think um, Portsmouth and Oxford are probably the favourites going into it. If you look at Portsmouth coming off of last season, losing to Sunderland in the semi-final, winning the Checker Trade Trophy. They've got the experience of them big games. Oxford um, were quite impressive in their FA Cup run this year, um, especially in that game against Newcastle. I don't know, I think it was... 4-1 to Newcastle in the end, but early stages of that game, they had plenty of chances to actually take the lead. I think you've got to look out for Wickham. Obviously, their money troubles coming out of this COVID situation. They're, they're going to have their tails up and they're going to have a bit of something to play for because that money could well and truly save the club. Yeah, definitely. It's something that's kind of vital for them. Like I say, we saw Wickham play earlier on in the season, Deck, and they obviously didn't look great that night as they lost to Tranmere, who we'll get on to in a minute, have actually been relegated. But... Um, yeah, obviously they're going to be a favour there, but I just personally can't look past Portsmouth, to be honest. I think, I would say, if, if there were fans there, I wouldn't have a doubt that Portsmouth will win him because, say, at Fratton Park, that extra lift the, the, players, the, fans will, the players will get from the fans is massive. But I kind of think in terms of being there before, like Dex said, having the League Two playoff win and then ultimately the going on to League One as well and winning the Czech Strait Trophy last year. I think I just can't look past them in terms of that experience. But Oxford as well. Don't discount Fleetwood as well. Big Paddy Madden up front. He's won a League One playoff before. As Imagine how unbearable <laughs> Joey Barton would be if they could get a Wembley win. 
Oh, don't. Yeah. Just, like, I really, <laughs> his, his Twitter bio really pisses me off. Because why is he... He's, it says Kaizen, which means continuous improvement. So he's read one business book, seen a book that has seen that quote and think, oh, that looks really cool. I'm going to put that in my bio so I look really smart. You don't, Joey. I learned that in A-level business. Like, it's, it's like a 40-year-old woman's Facebook profile being live, laugh, happy. It's ridiculous. Like, I just don't... Like, grow up, man. Like, I mean, he beat someone up last year. Like, how has he still got a job? Like, I mean... It's just what it is. <laughs> I just don't I get with, it. I think with Fleetwood, with 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 um, obviously Joey Barton, I think he's quite emotional, and I think in in these type of games, your emotions will get the better of you, and that's not going to work for your team. So I, that's probably. I know you say don't count them out, but I think the manager is such an influence in these type of games more than any other. So uh, I'd find it hard to see Fleetwood win in the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair I'd enough. Like to yeah, so moving down to League One now, obviously we've got Tranmere going down. You can't really argue against that, to be honest. They have been the worst of the bunch and their pitch was genuinely terrible for the majority of the season. So it is what it is. But coming up from League Two, we have either Exeter, Colchester, Cheltenham or Northampton. Boys, are you back in there? I think Colchester, If it's the first one that springs off the top of my head. I think I'm right. Um, League Two is probably the weakest in all my football knowledge. But if I remember correctly, they were up there beginning of the season till about December time in the automatic places, and they fell out. Obviously, beat Spurs in the League Cup. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that one, mate? We lost to a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, but um, yeah, no. Um, ferocious got- up front. They're quite good at recruiting lower league players and building a quite a good squad. And they always seem to be there or thereabouts and just fall away at the end of the season. But I fancy them to get promoted this year. Out of the It's the one that pops off the top of my head when you said the four names. Okay. Dak, who you, have you seen that takes your fancy? I, I sort of agree with Harry that Colchester, yeah, they kind of, they've been there or thereabouts last few seasons. Um, also Exeter as well. They obviously close to uh, automatic promotion as well whether that will almost be a reverse psychology for them in, in, in time will tell I guess because the you know obviously the heartbreak of, of not getting the opportunity to uh, uh, do it on the pitch and, and get promoted automatically might have a have a negative effect on them if they play playoffs um, but I feel like they might they, they could have the the mental toughness for that so uh, I'll, I'll go on a limb and say Exeter I think a lot of pressure's on Exeter as well, especially with Plymouth just being promoted. Yeah, definitely. Especially in that area. They've um they lost the playoff final a couple of years ago and they've all been haven't they? Yeah, and it's just not been quite, quite there for them. Fairly balanced in recent years, Exeter and Colchester in that sort of area of the playoffs, just like missing out on third and then Yeah, I think that they're, they're I think those two are the favourites, but they'll be but playing each other in that in the semi final. So I think whoever wins that game goes on to win it because Cheltenham, that a good side. No, don't get me wrong and say they have uh, Michael Duff's come in and done a really good job there. But I just don't see them kind of having that edge to go the extra extra mile. Same with Northampton. So I think it is between Exeter and Colchester, like you say. So we'll take a little bit of a step down now, a little bit into the impacts this will have on non-league. And Harry, I think we spoke about this a little bit before. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a. 
a meeting today. Uh, it's tomorrow, actually, mm. isn't it? Following, yeah. following today's meeting to see what's going to happen and how they're going to decide on what's happening in terms of the promotion spots. Will the playoffs be a four-team or a six-team? Um, start with, yeah, obviously, your, your side, Willstone, are in the conference south, so you haven't got to worry about that playoffs. How do you think the best way to deal with the playoffs would be? Would it be a four-team system or a six-team system? Um... I think the financial implications uh, of doing the playoffs, especially for teams at our level, are uh, probably easier to do four teams. There will be arguments people like Steve King at Oxford, who's very vocal uh, in the in the non-league paper since the uh, the start of the lockdown, probably won't agree with that. As um, I believe Dorking as the sixth or seventh as well, Mark White, who's also quite an out there character. Um, so they, they might not agree with that uh, sort of going to four teams, but I think most of the teams aren't going to be able to afford to do a, a six-team playoff. Uh, so I think if they want the playoffs to happen at all, rather than giving, say, someone like Haven't uh, uh, an automatic promotion into the National League, I think they, they might have to reduce it to four teams just to get them going personally. So I think that might be the way they go. Going with that, you just mentioned about having been possibly offered a place of promotion via the second place in the table. That's also been linked with the case of Harrogate in the National League going and taking that second promotion spot. Stan, where do you stand on that and like sending teams up even though they're in a playoff spot? I kind of think from a place of bias with Yeovil, obviously, I don't want that to happen because, say, I'd love Yeovil to go up. And to be honest, Harrogate haven't really set the world alight this season. Obviously, I do think they have probably been over the course of the season the second best team in the league. But I don't think that particularly matters. If it's a league that's been set up for playoffs, you should play the playoffs because you want to keep that sporting integrity there. Obviously, we're in very... The buzzword is unprecedented times at the moment. And I, I do get that. But I think we're now in a situation where playoffs are at least somewhat possible. So we should try and make them the league as fair as possible and give the teams that are in the playoffs the opportunity to do that. So whether that's, say, reducing it to four teams because the likes of Bournemouth can't afford it because they haven't got the contracted players or have to bring an extra team in up um, to play it. So say a Barnet, a Woking or whoever's in and around it, they go in that extra spot instead. But I think it to keep that spot in integrity there, you need to have a conclusion, a somewhat competitive conclusion to the end of the season if you're sending Barrow up automatically. I think in the conference north it's a lot tighter as well, so that means that it's a lot more harsher just to send one up and then. Because York and Kings Lynn have both been amazing this season. Like it was very unfair to give one of them the title over the other. I think Kings Lynn would go up on points per game, so they've got a two point oh. And then it feels harsh to send York into the playoffs, but then you need that consistency for all the three leagues. Yeah, and if York were good enough, they should win those games. The same with Harrogate. The same with Haven. Exactly. So, going back to the sporting integrity you just mentioned, so there's a lot of talk about like the points per game is the fairest way to do it. Um, if you look at the points per game, you've got teams like Barnet who are currently 11th because of fixtures and their pitch not being playable throughout the course of the season. They're, they're actually on the points per game, they're projected to come 7th. So, where do you stand on the way we should actually finish the season if they were to just end it completely like League 2 and League 1? Yes. It's hard to say because there's obviously there's no fair way of doing it, but you've got to adopt the same model as the EFL, I think. And if that means Barnet get in, it does. But 
at the same sense, he does seem harsh on the teams like, say, Stockport County and whoever who are in and around that spot purely because they have put in the work and are there now. And who said Barnet are going to win these next four games they have in hand? Because in the National League, it's very unlikely that that happens. As we all know, it's a highly competitive league. It's like an extension of the Football League at times, especially with some of the clubs in it. It really is. It's League 2.5. And what we've got to note with Barnet as well, what we've got to note with Barnet as well is that last season, they were in a similar predicament with with their pitch, but it was actually with their FA Cup run and their FA Trophy run they had a lot of games in hand as well and then didn't make the playoffs in the end. So, you know, the, the last couple of seasons, they have always come up with uh, having ending up having a lot of games in hand over other teams above them. So, I mean, as you say, it, it, it's quite unlikely that they're going to get the, the, the points that they would have done out of those four games and actually kept their points, their game ratio at that same amount after playing those four games. But as mentioned, I think we do have to just align with with the EFL so I mean there's not really much we can do with that unfortunately the, the season stopped when it stopped and uh, we just got to move on with that and just uh, give the teams the positions that they have got with their with their points per game ratio and the last thing um, before the uh, COVID break we said semi-finals of the trophy and Vars and it's whether they're going to go ahead now because it's still actually not been confirmed to be cancelled how important would it be for them teams especially in the Vars for that to go, undergo because obviously they've got they're amateur clubs, they haven't got contracts to fulfil, so it'd probably be an easier feat to get them going than the trophy. But would you cancel them or would you? I think you should let the clubs that are involved decide because I think that's the fairest way of doing it. If you, if the FA can be like, look, you've got these weekends here, if you want to do it, you can. And the clubs that are involved is just put it to a vote to them and be like, look, we've got the facilities to do this because, say, Notts County probably will have the facilities to do that, but say, the other teams Royston Concord are probably not going to in reality yeah exactly so I kind of think it has to be made to kind of look like just kind of those who are involved it's pointless say letting Yeovil Town vote or Willstone vote because they're not involved in it anymore just kind of the sensible thing would just be kind of decide between themselves you totally agree Dick yeah I, I agree with Sam to be honest with you because obviously they're the the four teams or however many teams that are left there, the ones that are, are going to be impacted by a decision on it, as you say, not a Yeovil or, you know, any other clubs that aren't involved in the tournament anymore. It's, it's not going to affect them. There's no point asking them. Uh, I, I, I agree with the trophy and Vars as well to, to try and carry on because it's such a financial impact for these clubs that uh, they benefit so much uh, financially from these tournaments, which, if I, if you look higher up the pyramid, I don't believe the FA Cup should have should have con, uh, restarted and continued um, this season. To be honest with you, I think that it, it's not mandatory. I understand with the Premier League, it you've got that integrity to finish it, but I don't think the the FA Cup was as necessary um, as potentially finishing the league. But whereas with the trophy and the bars, it's there's such a financial implication. You know, these teams might not get to Wembley again and things like that. So. Um, I probably I agree with Sam in that you know give give the clubs that are still involved the chance to vote and see if they uh, want to continue it or not. Looking quickly at non-league as well, say with the promotions and relegations, it really does throw up quite some good games potentially for next year. Say Barnet against Wildstone or say Boreham Woods Stevenage, some like decent kind of local derbies that 
could potentially happen next year if there are fans involved. Say, is that a somewhat silver lining of this situation? I think the fixtures that are there, like you say, they're, they're some of the games are massive. If like Harrogate don't go up and York do, that's a, a massive local game. And then you think of the attendances of them games and the money that comes with it. Again, it's, it's like an extra revenue stream. It's like playing another three or four games, some of them games, in terms of attendances. So I think it with them fans back, it will it will save some clubs, but it's a matter of time whether we can get people back into stadiums and distance people and make it as safe an environment as possible. Some grounds, you can do it, but there's certain stadiums in National League North, National League, National League South that just can't cater for social distancing. Yeah, because say we had 5,000 at Hewish Park for the Torquay game on Boxing Day. I think if clubs can get that, at least a thousand people booths for those Boxing Day derbies. That's going to be massive for every one of those clubs after the year they just had. And especially if clubs can promo it and just like, this is your chance to come back, back the club, get us back on our feet. You're going to see some sellouts probably. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And I think it's, I, with, I sort of agree with Harry that, you know, some clubs will find it difficult to social distance. So. Um, and I think the chances of social distancing, social distancing still being in place by the time uh, Boxing Day and New Year's Day rolls around, it's probably quite likely. So, you know, I think like for, from my take on it, clubs like Woodstone, I think like and may, most non-league uh, grounds in general, they're quite open spaces. You'd be surprised how many people you can actually fit in quite these open space stadiums. So I think social distancing where you can still get a relatively... A decent number, which which will really uh, make a revenue impact. It's it's possible for for clubs of uh, those sort of stadiums, whereas you know Yeovil, Notts County, um, Wrexham, you know teams like that, they they got big stadiums, but they're obviously all seaters or mostly seated stadiums. So um, I guess the, the social distancing and a bit more enclosed as well stadiums, so they, they might find social distancing a bit harder. But we'll just have to see when when the league restarts and just see where everyone's at with that. We need to look at what happens with Spain because so they're going for the 25% capacity from September the 1st. So as, as much as it's a bit weird to let them do a dummy run of it, that might just have to be the way we go about it and say start the league on October the 1st, get a pre-season in from late August, September. Because say by the time the non-league pyramid starts up again for playoffs, that's not going to be... July at the earliest really at this stage so kind of everything's going to be put on the back burner for at least two months playing catch-up so that's probably our most likely start date I think social distancing say looking positively and probably realistically start of 2021 you get a full stadium in then so those two months of say 25 cent capacity might be what clubs have to just deal with yeah and I don't think I don't think these clubs will be able to play games behind closed doors. I don't think many of them will be able to afford it. You know, there's so many, there's so many clubs in non-league that, that benefit so much from gate revenue. They almost live off it uh, for quite a few of the clubs. So many of them won't be able to survive and play games without some sort of, of revenue from, uh, from supporters coming in uh, for the games. So even if, as you say there with Spain, even if it is when they start the season again, it's at a 20 or a 25% capacity that will keep clubs afloat until social distancing can almost be removed. And, uh, and that will really benefit most of the clubs and as well 
in terms of the football structure in this country where we can actually just continue with the football and uh, not get left behind with not playing. Well, the big rumour at the moment, especially within the um, Football League, is um, what's it, the government bailouts for all the clubs in there, say, for, especially for League One and League Two clubs, to say this will be your kind of financial belly up until you can get fans through the gate. So if they could adopt, to say, a similar system for non-league, that could then lead to, say, have the month of October, November with no fans, but at least games are still happening. I think that's quite a good way to do it, the way the government are just putting that money to side for them clubs. But then you're going to have the problem with, I, mean, I don't know how many teams are still semi-pro in the National League, um, but it's the, I think... Oh, you're talking it's single figures. Yeah, it's definitely single figures. But then the problem then lies in the North and South with the teams that are semi-pro. Would the government be willing to, to put that money into clubs like that who aren't actually paying like members of staff it's it's a difficult area with the like government money, but um, I think like, like we said, the twenty five percent. There's teams like without like sounding like I'm digging at them, but Boreham would probably get twenty five percent of a game anyway. Yeah, in terms of their stadium capacity, so for them that'd be like going back to normal, finally getting that revenue in. And then, but then you've got your teams like Chesterfield, like when they played Notts County this season, it was a complete sellout. And then how do you you you, you can't have that? You need to regulate it. Do you say for some teams it could be your 25% of it might luckily work out to be just people who are season ticket holders. So it might mean moving some season ticket holders around your stadium, but it could be something to at least give them some sort of taste of football for a couple months before it can fully restart. I mean, that would probably be the best way to do it. We'd just start off with season ticket holders from this 1920 season until, like we say, we know when we're back to 100% and social distancing's out the window. Because I don't think many National League clubs have thousands of season ticket holders. They'll probably have like one or two. I mean, I don't know what the situation is at Yeovil as a former Football League club, but at Ebbsfleet, I think it's about a thousand, like 900 season ticket holders. I think for us, it's probably 2,000 tops and say we're a 9,000-seater stadium. So that there would be in and around that 25%. And it so, goes back to that plan about like an open stadium. It's quite an open plan, and you could probably open up that away end and just mark it off a bit more. I think it yeah. all depends on the club and the, the situation the club has with what their attendance is. But I think, that, like you said, the trial in Spain will be key to see how football clubs globally can recover from this situation and get fans back on seats and get money back into the club as quick as possible. Yeah, exactly. And there's still such like t- potential there to do streaming the games and if you just charge a fiver to watch a game at three o'clock like you've got to get rid of that blackout realistically to football to survive now i think sunderland have haven't they done something along the lines of season ticket holders will all be given a link for the games to be watched um if social distancing is still in place for the start of next season yeah i I, I saw that on the athletic but i think it was yeah it's not been i don't know because i think they were getting Bad for it a little bit really because it didn't count for away games and certain things and it would mean they're not entitled to a refund so I'm not I, I don't want to be quoted on this so I don't really know what yeah no it was a bit of a I know there was a lot of criticism for something about it but I know they were willing to stream home games for season ticket holders but I think that's quite a good way to say if, I mean if National League clubs could do that and just charge like five pounds ten pounds for the like, just get people to see the games, and then that way you're still getting a bit of revenue into the club, and you're still 
kind of surviving with a bit of income. Yeah, well, BT are able to have the game streamed to them for every game. So I don't see why that then can't be distributed out further. So even if it's, say, done via BT Sport or a company that's hired by the league, and then, say, you get a revenue split between the league and the club, then surely that's a positive for all. No, I can't see why that wouldn't be the case. I think think the only thing on that is that um, with the National League, the, there's obviously an embargo in place with, uh, in terms of getting highlights out. So, oh, yeah. you know, every, whenever we come up with these good ideas, which are good ideas, they then have to go to the leagues, whether that's the Football League, uh, the National League, whoever it may be. Um, so it, it kind of be down to, uh, to the regulations potentially being changed by the National League in order to, to get them sort of ideas going. Yeah, well, it goes back to what Bill said about the, the, the just like needing the revenue of a fan coming in, and if you can't by law get them people into the stadium, something like a stream with BT Sport would be would be so good to have. I mean, if even like like I said, just charging season ticket holders, how many games are left? Is it nine? Um, yeah, yeah. So everyone's got an average of four or five home games left. So and then just going, yeah. Well, you just pay. Like even if you just cut it down the middle and just go like fifteen quid till the end of the season, you get all the home and away games, and you're getting money. And you think how many fans would be into that? And then you could still get your football fix if you haven't got a BT Sport or a Sky Sport at home. And just because it's a tough time for everyone nationally. At the yeah, definitely, and like some people aren't interested in watching the Premier League football as much as it's nice that it's coming back. Some people want to watch. They like football because it's their team. And they don't want to watch another team. So having Premier League back is okay, yeah, that's great. But for those of us who say might not want to watch that and would rather go and watch Oval Town, go and watch Wilstone, Ebsfleet or whoever, that then gives them at least somewhat of a taste of that again. I think the annoying thing is, though, is uh, especially in non-league, the annoying thing for them is, you know, they get a lot of, gate receipts from people that just want to see live football you know they may not necessarily be a fan of the specific clubs playing they just want to see live sport and they've maybe been priced out by the Premier League who knows um, in terms of their ticket prices so they, they, they they're there to see live football and and actually be there in the flesh and and have their presence known singing chanting whatever it may be so you know you lose that element which probably means then you, you won't get as many people, uh, say, streaming a game for Fiverr or whatever, um, than actually being at the game itself because you lose those sort of like ground-hopping casual people that, that go to games just to go to games. Thing, I think the best example of that is that last weekend of um, the non-league football because obviously it was an extra weekend beyond from the National League. I think Dulwich Hamlet sold out and like a number of clubs saw Boost attendances of say five hundred thousand, and I think that's just people watch. Like say, it proves your point that people watch non-league because they just want to watch football half the time. I think Mm. maybe in Yeovil it's a slightly different because it's such a kind of isolated club in terms of its location, and same for clubs like Weymouth and your Torquays and clubs like that who are kind of a bit more shunted out the way. But your clubs in London, like say for Wildstone or Dulwich streaming the games might not be as financially viable. I think they'd still I think we'd still benefit a lot 
um, us specifically, I, I don't know. I'm sure Dulwich would as well. But um, I think, the, I think I, I'm from the experiences of me going to Dulwich, I feel like the ratio of, of actual Dulwich fans and people that just want to watch football is far higher than um, the same that than that same ratio at Wildstone. Um, I feel like a lot of people have become fans at Wildstone, and you see them more regularly. Obviously, I haven't been to Dulwich more than a couple of times, so I can't I can't extensively comment on on that. But I, for us personally, it would be uh, it'd be a big benefit, and I think we'd we we definitely wouldn't get the same numbers, but we'd be near enough there because we we were selling. I think we we have seven hundred season ticket holders, and we we average around a thousand. So. Most most people that go to our games are season ticket holders, so a lot of them would probably still pay for, uh, say, a live stream or whatever. So it would, it, for us personally, it would still greatly benefit us financially. I think that's the beauty of Man Clubs have such a good core base of supporters who would be willing to pay that five pounds just to keep the club moving until they can get back in the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Like the. That's what you get with with non-league because you're so close and you're so like you can go whenever you want and like there's no there's no it's not like the Premier League where you're idolising superstars. You're when it's non-league you're idolising people you can relate to and like you can talk to the manager yourself like face to face. It's not like a like a Jose Mourinho where the best chance you'll have is if he's in a park teaching one of the players how to play or whatever it may be, or with it, if it's, um, I saw Laporte in a park earlier um, in the lockdown and Tyrone Mings and things like that. That's the best chance you're going to get to see these Premier League players. Whereas at non-league, after a game, you go in the bar, you can talk to players, managers, whoever it may be. So you can really uh, galvanise the whole non-league scene and really get that connection with specific clubs. And that's why uh, non-league has such a, a, a hardcore fan base at specific clubs. Yeah, definitely. I think that's quite a nice way to kind of bring that to a conclusion, really, on the non-league side of things, because you say everyone's going to want to back their club because it is every club's like a family. And you can say the same for League Two clubs as well in some cases. But I think really in long league, it's kind of just that that mentality is really hammered home, as it were. Um, so, Deck, on to you now. What's your topic this week? Um, my topic this week, and I'm going to grab my phone because I'm going to need it, um, is football index. I've started um, trading um, with a couple of players uh, this week uh, just to kind of get my grips of it. I know a bit about stocks, but have no idea what stocks to, to invest in. So uh, I've kind of gone to football index, obviously an easy way uh, because of, of the knowledge of football that I have. And uh, if I go on here now, I'll sort of uh, explain my progress. But essentially. Um, a brief description of football index. I, I don't know too much about it. I literally, I literally signed up like four days ago. So um, if, if there's anything wrong, please excuse me. And if you've got any tips in the comments, let me know because I want to make some money. Um, but yes, we all do. Please comment that. Exactly. exactly. So um, essentially, you're, you're dealing with stocks that go up and down with footballers. So you want to be investing in, say, young players who are in the media a lot. Um, and uh, are getting moves to big clubs like Man United and uh, and teams like that. And uh, you essentially get dividends. So some days, if, you, if you've got a top player who's performed well in real life, uh, and I think the stats come from Opta, so it, they're all pretty official stats. And basically, if you've got the best stats, and you're one of the top performers, and you'll get a certain amount. I think it's like 
you'll get 5p per share or something like that if, if your player's a top performer in a certain position. Um, it definitely depends on how many games uh, are played across the top five leagues. Um, but say for the Bundesliga at the moment, if it's a Saturday, then you probably get like 5p per share or something. Uh, and then there's other days where you get media uh, dividends. So if a player's like been all over the media on a specific day, say uh, Timo Werner at the moment, who's, uh, who's been in the news and he's been racking up a lot of media points. So if you've got Timo Werner, then you know that you're getting a lot of media dividends, which is basically, dividends are basically instant money. So um, you'll get, say, 5p a share or something straight away. Um, I haven't invested in anyone like that, um, other than Ben Chilwell, who's been in the news recently uh, okay. for his moves. Um, but other than that, I've kind of just invested in players that um, are young and who I think are going to go up in value uh, as their career progresses. I think there's a three-year limit on how long you can hold the shares for, but uh, I'm just going to explain my progress so far. So I've got the app open. I, I invested a bit, like 84. Eighty-five pounds, I think I put in on. Um, smashing it, mate! You're smashing it uh, on Friday. Oh yeah, I had a, I had a bit of work this week, so <laughs> I I'd treat myself. Um, and uh, so yeah, I put in eighty-five pound, uh, and I've put my money into four players. So obviously, as I mentioned, Ben Chilwell, um, and he's gone up three p per share uh, in well, value since. So I bought him. Yeah, so uh, I did miss out on dividends for him though, because he was uh, he was high on the media list, but he wasn't in the top three, so I unfortunately didn't get any dividends for him. Uh, but he's, I think I've made forty five p in value so far. Which, if I was to sell him, well, then, so. yeah, I'd get I'd get roughly that amount. So uh, we've got Aaron Wambasaka, who's not been in the news for any media related stuff. He's obviously at Man United, probably not gonna have a move anytime soon. I just think he's, he was a player that's going to go up in value in his career. He's still re- relatively young, early 20s. Uh, I think he's probably he's in the top two best uh, English right-backs right now. So, you know, the chance of him going to the Euros and the World Cup is very high. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he, he's, gone up, he's gone up 4p since I bought him as well. Uh, I bought six shares of him. So, I've made roughly around 24p in value of him so far. Uh, next player so I've only got two left after these two uh, Bakayo Saka at Arsenal we've got two Arsenal players um, and Saka was one of them obviously such a youngster uh, I think he's going to get a position change so obviously he's been playing left back but on here he's, he's down as a winger I think don't you can performance dividends if they are out of position so if he gets a move to left back his value should go up. So hopefully he gets a, a position change on the app. Well, I bought 10 shares in him. He hasn't gone up or down so far. So uh, we haven't made or lost anything on him. And finally, we've got Joe Willock as well. So um, obviously one of, the, one of the main things with stocks, which is the only rule that I know about stocks, is that you buy low and you sell high. And I, I just saw Joe Willock at quite a low price uh, per share. And uh, I've made... 35p on him so far he's gone up oh, 5p well per share. so uh yeah so, so far i've made about a pound in like four days in oh, terms of the shares we've made, which absolute you know, what? It's, you know what it's not a lot but at least i haven't lost any money so far um because it is it is still gambling because you're obviously hoping for um players to perform well on the pitch so you are kind of 
gambling on these players playing well. But um, I just I'm more investing in in their career, and I think they're going to go up in value as their career goes on, rather than uh, getting say quick dividends on on media and stuff like that. So I was going to say my next question was going to be. Why have you started this when there's literally no Premier League football happening despite buying four Premier League footballers? Um, I've started it because obviously the, the Premier League is coming back and their stocks are low. So when the Premier League is back, hopefully people will start investing these. Hopefully my players play well and then people who invest in them, their share will go up and um, I'll be getting dividends from their in-play and, and uh, in their shares as well. But what's great about Joe Willock is that he scored a goal in a behind-closed-doors game against Charlton on the weekend. And his that's why his stock went up. So at the time, I was like, oh, was this a good idea to invest in him? And he scored that goal and then his price went up. So um, that was I didn't get any dividends because it wasn't a, a proper game in the Premier League. But um, his price still went up. Same as if you look at Nketiah, he scored a hat-trick. His price has gone up like 20p since like Saturday, which is like quite a, a bit of a jump so um it, it, it when it comes to that stuff i'm just i'm just buying low and hoping that these must play well because I, I back all of them to be fair so especially for five subs i thought with the five subs in the premier league players like willock and and saka will, will have a more uh, a more impactful opportunity especially under our terror he'll give these guys a chance so and obviously wamba saka and chilwell they're going to play every day as long as they're fit so um, I thought it was just um, they're four players that I just know hopefully will make me money in the house so far the Wolf of Ricelip mate you're going to make sense <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I even got into it in the first place I think it was an ad on YouTube or something else. Mate, I they, think you know what ads everywhere I think it was I, I'd seen the ads but I actually think it was a trading 212 ad <laughs> that I clicked on and then I was like because I, I saw one of my mates was into shares and that and I was like well, I'll have a little look around I didn't put anything into training two one two. I just downloaded the app to see what was happening. So I wanted to invest in oil. It's always obviously going to go up. Um, I don't know why, but it is what it is. But then I just thought, you know, I, I just thought football. I just, <laughs> I just thought football then was just easier because I have I have more of an idea of what's what's going on and what a decent price for a player is. So um, it made more sense than investing into companies and products that I have no idea about so it see I've been scarred of football index because I know somebody and um they've got it they put Andre Gomez in and on that weekend <laughs> <he broke laughs> oh really see that's that's the, that's why they say it's gambling because it's they can't be hold, held accountable for things like that so I've not bothered going near it but you've sold it I'm might have to have a look I think it's good I mean obviously I've had no collapse so I'm gonna say it's good I'll be honest but, about um, Three months ago, I put a tenner into it. Um, this mm. was before Corona, so I'm a bit before that actually. But um, mm. I got Scott McTominay in there, Ben Ikafobe, because I was like, he's injured, but he's, he was like on the verge of coming back. So I was like, if he starts banging for Bristol City, that's a good investment. And I can't remember what the other ones were. I only bought like one or two shares in each one. I was up to be fair, but when coronavirus happened, I was like, I'm going to sell quick because these hairs are going to shoot down <laughs> so i made like 20 <laughs> but uh, it is what it is that's fair enough though like at least you were smart enough to i'd I, this i obviously started it after coronavirus so i don't know what anyone's prices were before um beforehand but you know you made your 20p you got out of there you, you didn't lose any money so is what it money is, maker it? But, uh, ladies if you want a man who's got stonks 
You know my Twitter. Yogi <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Town FC. <laughs> yeah. yeah our YTFC, mate. That's the one. Right, boys. Yeah. Every so week. That's, that's my topic. Every week, I'm going to drop you a hypothetical question. And it's just up to you to pick your answer. Right. And we have spoke briefly about this before on a different podcast, which was nicely called Talking on League, which I think we'll mention at some point. So it's better to get it out of the way now. Um, so right. the question is, if you could turn any non-league side, but not the one you support, into a top six Premier League club, who would it be and why? Declan O'Reilly. Go for it, son. Um, hmm. I think if I was to do anyone... I'm trying to think who's in our league because they're they're going to be the clubs I know best. Uh, you know what? I you know what? To because Sam will be happy. I'm going to say Slough Town. Yeah, 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 yeah. Town. You know they're a well-run club, the town that needs a football club, and uh, I think Slough Town are the one. And I and I tell you what, they've got really good facilities as well, and obviously they'll they'll have to improve those. Should they become a top six Premier League club? I think I think I'd go Slough. <laughs> go on then, go on, Harry. Who are you think? I'm also going from the National League South because I think every team in the National League has, has pushed me to the point of stopping supporting non-league this season. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, or another. Um, I'll go Dunley Chamberlain. Okay, supporter base club run by their fans. Got kicked out of their stadium and their fans thousands of people to sign a petition to get back so you know that they'll you've got a loyal fan base run by good people and their atmosphere is very good right i only go a bit left field here um i think i've told you this before but i'm going to say it again um for those that are listening so mum enjoy this one um <laughs> um i go in truro city i think cornish football's highest tier of a football club is the Southern League. It deserves Premier League. Mate, those surfer boys need to start watching football as well. And I think Truro City should be a Premier League team competing for the Champions League. Imagine Messi coming to flying into Newquay Airport, like, not a clue what's going on. Sees all these people that sound like pirates. And, like, honestly, a brilliant day out. I think all the people down at Treyu Road, wherever you say it, that could create a hell of an atmosphere with I'm sorry, but no I just roof. Don't like the idea of Newcastle going to Truro on their Wednesday night. <laughs> that's a mate, that's the beauty of it. Think people complain about Plymouth. You've got another hour and a half on top of that point. <laughs> Down you come. Get amongst it. <laughs> get, get on I mean, the other they are the pride of Cornwall, aren't they? So hmm. Can't find it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, they have been spending a bit of money though, Truro, recently. I know, they got I a Rocky Neal from um, Taunton. This is a good story, yeah. actually. So, they've uh, raided Taunton. They've raided them, haven't they, pretty yeah. much? They've taken loads of their players. <laughs> like a this certain is... club last season with another certain club. Yes. <laughs> haven't. <laughs> and Bromley. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Taunton, right? Their best player was a guy called Rocky Neal. And um, he did his, like, metatarsal or something like that at the end of last season. So um, they, the, <laughs> the um, fans started, like, a crowdfunder or a GoFundMe to pay for his Ooh, um, it was, um So it cost them three grand. And obviously coronavirus happened, so he would be fit now. 
And um, instead of returning to play for Taunton, he's just gone and joined title rivals Truro. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Drop those claps in the chat. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredible story, isn't it? That's amazing. You've got res- to respect the balls <laughs> of that man. You really do. Like, I do feel sorry for the fans. Don't get me wrong. Like, that is quite... That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> levels of scoring a header at the Itiad and running the length of the pitch. That's like, imagine Kane Ferdinand joining Aldershot. Like, <laughs> that was Scott. Rendell was at Woking. He's now Aldershot captain. Every time he scores, he just runs past everyone doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that bloody advertising balls at Woking just go... <laughs> 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 I, I saw that and I was like because um, Taunton tweeted that they released him and like there was like people going like quite mad in the comments but people were like saying oh I hope you got a football league move but um, in the article it said he joined Truro AC but Truro hadn't put it out so he was getting Ooh. battered on socials Ooh. and then Ooh. when when Truro put it out like, all these Taunton fans have flooded it straight away like calling him like a scumbag and everything but it is amazing the work of art, something like that. It really is. <laughs> he's um, he's claimed it wasn't a um, decision out of malice or whatever, and it was a purely footballing decision. But for anyone who joined Emsley between Swindle. 2013 to 2019, I swear I haven't moved because of the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a really great. That's a great story. I, I'm I'm glad we we brought that up. <laughs> I know it's I, I honestly I I saw it and I was like I've got to tell this on make a podcast and tell everyone about it that's honestly what it's inspired. the whole reason we started this podcast in the first place wasn't it indeed is it too early to call him the non-league Addy by all I don't think it is you know I really hope he's if I'm free on true I'm watching his career, oh, watching his career I'm definitely going big Rocky nil thing is though actually loads of um Yeovil fans were like oh yeah we should sign him and um, fair enough, each to their own. But like the fact that he's just now gone and joined Truro, might not be as good as you guys thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, each to their own. But I'd say I've only seen him play once, twice, I think. And he didn't really set the world alight. But admittedly, they were both against football league clubs in Exeter and Yeovil. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it'll be interesting to see if he um, can get Truro up. Because obviously, with Tyler Harvey up front as well, and soon to be a yeah. pretty sub. Like, it's it's going to be massive front too, isn't it? It's not bad, is it? Duo. Yeah. I mean, you do well in the, in the division above with N2. Mm. Definitely. Well, I think if people were trying to sell him off for a Football League move and he's just gone and stay in the same division, he must be all right. <laughs> well, boys, I think yeah. this might be a good way to end the podcast on that lovely story. So... Mm. thanks for coming on fellas and that classic 2012 youtuber goodbye with that salute um, <laughs> yeah if you enjoyed it please leave a like if you're on youtube um i don't know how you rate things on apple podcasting it's like drop a five star might be on spotify might not be don't know just putting on an rss feed and just going on <laughs> for whatever just yeah listen again really that's all i care about um yeah don't know anything you guys want to say anything you want to plug um, just, just get us numbers, please. Yeah, really well, them numbers. Follow us all on Twitter. They'll be in the and the actual Twitter as well. Just uh, you might want to. I yeah, what's what's the app for that Twitter? 
Uh, at MB I think it is. I think it is. It must be. Yeah. So twitter.com slash MBMR podcast. Follow it. Great content. And uh, you'll hear more from us as well in the next one.